Hello. Howdy, it's me. Oh, howdy. Monday night caller. I sure am, yeah. Just like I'm still setting up my little... I never did really figure out a good way to set up this uh, sound. And I still look so weird where I'm just, just holding the recorder up to a phone <laughs> for no reason. Alright, hold on. Okay, I think that'll work. Hey, how are you? Good, pretty good, you? It is so cold. I know it's like just the uh, cliche of like talking about the weather or whatever, but what in the fuck? <laughs> like the weather well, you know, in this country. Today is brutal. Yeah? Oh, the wind is, that, that wind that cuts right into your face when you're out walking. Man, yeah, there's a couple of days here where like you get a reprieve, you know, for an afternoon. And, uh, and it was even like minus three one day. It was amazing, but by that night it was minus 23 again. Like just. Yeah, I think uh, Saturday we had it. Uh, Saturday, maybe it was yesterday, I don't really remember, but there was a day that it was quite decent. But man, oh man, it's crappy now. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like I, n I never had any particular uh, you know, like affinity for Canada or anything until I moved to the States. I even really kind of didn't like Canada because of the weather. But then I moved to the States and I realized it's much, much worse, <laughs> you know, so like I've come to like Canada, but this is really, really reminding me like this is, this is clearly the problem with Canada. Like it is so cold. And yet, uh, in Vancouver, I saw a picture on the news last week. It, I guess it's magnolias. I thought it was cherry trees in blue, right. but it's magnolia trees and they are, the whole, these whole avenues just pink in blue, beautiful. And people out golfing, shorts and t-shirts and <laughs> God, obviously that's the place to be in Canada. The rest of it, everything west of the or east of the Rockies is absolute shit. It is a little weird in some ways that like everyone doesn't just try to move to Vancouver. I mean, we could all fit in BC if we had to. You know? <laughs> just leave the rest of it. To, just leave a great big hell hole out here to the east. Well, they always say that thing. I, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it's something like if you took every person on the earth and you gave them all like a, you know, one meter square spot to stand in, that everybody would fit in New Brunswick, like on the earth. <laughs> like we have a lot of space. So. Yeah, well, and, and now we know why. <laughs> it's yeah. friggin' cold to be here. No, it's been, a pretty, it's been a pretty harsh winter. That is the one thing too, like, I mean, I still, I still do miss old uh, British Columbia sometimes, but the... I guess like their big thing is the lack of sun, which is easy. It's easy right now to be like, oh, you know, so what? At least it's not cold. But I noticed today that when five o'clock started creeping around, the sun was still up. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> like, like sun really is important. So I guess that's the only problem. And it's nice and bright. Like when I, I came home quite early today, five-ish. Oh yeah, and the sun was nowhere near getting ready to set. By six o'clock, it's still light outside. And yeah. it's such a nice reprieve after all that black. You know, November, December, January. It was black in the morning and black at five o'clock. Yeah, I really think I kind of got like a one-two punch where uh, I think some good came of it, but I mean like coming back to Toronto where, like I guess, I mean, I assume anyone who's listening to this is probably relatively aware of things that I do on the internet, but who knows? Actually, just uh, I put this podcast in iTunes the other day. So, who knows, maybe someone will find it. But yeah, that my big plan was to go back home to visit and then just move somewhere else, like go to BC or go to Newfoundland or whatever. And, uh, and I really think, like, the more I look at it, it's like, you know, it's all scrambled in my brain, it's hard to figure out, but I think it really was like that I have all these friends here and all this stuff set up, 
and my like subconscious brain was like, you know, don't just move away where you don't know anybody. Like that's like so insanely hard to do. And I kind of feel like that's partially why I suddenly got interested in that girl because I'd known her for years, right? And now all of a sudden it's like, oh man, now like I think partially my brain was like, hey, if you get attached to this situation, you have to come back to Toronto and you won't do this dumb moving away thing. So anyway, when I did move back and then that didn't work out, I think it was the one-two punch. It's like, oh man, that didn't work and I feel all bad. Plus, there's never sun ever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, bad timing. What, what you will find is you will have spring a lot earlier than we will. Right. Because when it comes, it comes quite quick to central Canada. Whereas us, we'll be dragging along oh, well into... You know, can you almost say... The long weekend in May is the first semblance of spring in the Maritimes. Yeah, well, that's... It's cold, it's miserable, it's rainy, it's wet. That's where I'm kind of hoping that, like, this will be, like, the reverse thing now, that I had that real crappy stretch where it was all dark and I felt all bad. But I think it'll be, like, the opposite, where where I kind of feel like, I don't know, like, like shaking an addiction or quitting smoking or something. Like, I'm kind of... I feel like I'm over that hump where I'm not so down in the dumps about this dumb relationship that didn't work. Plus... Spring is coming, so I think it'll be a double spring. <laughs> that's what I'm figuring. <laughs> that's 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 my hopes for the near future. Well, I don't know what your snow hills look like, but ours right now are piled so high, like geez, they're like nine feet high. Yeah, ours are still only like two feet. It's really not you that bad. You can't see our house as you're going. If you walk down Union Street, you can't see our house. Man, that well, is... you can see the roof. You can you can see the second second story, but you can't see the front porch. There, let's put it that way. <laughs> Joel's kid, uh, the two year old, when he can't find something, he says, "I can't see it." Like, I can't see the Lego. I can't. See... I'm just imagining him saying, "Like, I can't see your house." <laughs> <laughs> it's just gone. Yeah, I remember before I left for New York, uh, this one picture that you took of like I. Although I think I'll put the picture with this podcast if anyone wants to look it up where it's just me on those side steps going up into the house and yeah. it's just icicles everywhere and snow on everything because I remember I would show that picture to people in New York and be like, look at that, motherfuckers. <laughs> look at this well, thing. Well, it's like that this year. That was the year we had, we had quite a bit of flooding that year. That was 2009. Mm. Um, and that snow was early. Like, that was that was like just after Christmas, I think, that picture was taken. I think that might even have been 2008, so maybe it wasn't even the worst. Oh, could have been. Yeah. We had two years running that it was really bad, 2008, 2009. And I forget, I think it was 2009 we had the flooding, but it could have been 2008. And then we had a reprieve, oh, mild winters, not, not too much snow down. But last year was hell, and this year it started off real kind of slow, like January we didn't have much at all, but then it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. The thing here, like, I guess like, the snow isn't as bad. I mean, it's still bad, I'm sure, for people driving and stuff, but it is just that that coldness where, where it's like your body can't... Uh, regulate enough anymore or whatever like I do get that feeling that that my nose is gonna just like turn black and fall off like you know like like usually even if you're in the cold you know it's like your body temperature can fight back against it or whatever but yeah it just like hits that point where or with my fingers like if I didn't have this indoor phone there's no way we could even do this because because yeah it just hits that point where you're like this is how people lose fingers and noses (laughs) like it's that cold yeah, not, not. Oh well, we get another month of it, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess that's true, because I mean, I always think of, yeah, when I used to go to New York in April, it was pretty much good by then. At least around these parts, maybe not for you guys. <laughs> we'll see. No, no, we'll, we'll be looking at, we'll be starting to see signs of spring, but we'll be looking at it being pretty darn cold until, well, they put the end of April. Right. So other than that, how are things? Other than the weather. That's all we Canadians talk about is the weather. <laughs> yeah, so uh, not bad. This was like a super wrestling weekend where it's actually, it was nice that it was warm on Saturday because uh, I don't know if I told you, but so just again, like I was just trying to find things to occupy myself during this horrible, dark, miserable winter, which is the one reason like this podcast say, you know, I'm just like coming up with stuff to do and ideas for things. So one of them was a wrestling podcast. I started doing with this guy, Jason from Halifax. And so we just watch wrestling and do little reviews about it. And then, uh, then we got the idea to go look up indie wrestling in Toronto. And we found this, like, one indie thing where it's really cool. It's kind of like punk rock wrestling. Like, it's got cool lighting, and it's not, like, the nerdy, like, just wrestling in a high school gym type stuff. Like, this is all, like, cool lighting and smoke machines and all this stuff. And the first time that we went, we met this girl, Julia, just in the lineup. I don't know if I told you about this, where she was just in the line in front of us. And then she ended up being on our podcast. So now whenever we go to these live things, like, we know her from that. And we just keep bringing in more and more people. Like, I got Joel to go, and my friends Mike and Craig, and Brad went to this one. And uh, so we got, like, this whole posse of people that go to live wrestling. So that's what I did this weekend. Okay. Yeah. It was cool. And then, like, so Saturday was live wrestling, and then Sunday was one of the WWF, like, pay-per-views. And, uh... And seeing them both back to back, like man, live wrestling is way better. Seeing it on TV is not nearly as exciting. So, so what? So is this is this wrestling like you used to watch on TV? That kind of wrestling, or is it? Yeah, yeah, like, like promotional showman type stuff, or is it real wrestling? No, no, it's absolutely pro wrestling. Like, yeah, it's like uh, the way Joel described it was. Uh, that it's kind of like burlesque, but for guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it did. Perfect. That's a perfect description. Yeah, because it's kind of just about, yeah, being showy and confident and, you know, run, doing stuff, but not really, not a real competition. I always thought that was an interesting kind of disconnect with people where, uh, like this girl Katie that we know, she was kind of confused about it. And she's like, like, why would you watch wrestling? Why wouldn't you watch like UFC? And it's like, because I don't want to see two guys beat each other up. <laughs> to me, that's creepy. But if they just pretend to beat each other up and do a bunch of cool flips and things. And like one guy, his name is Space Monkey. And he dresses like a monkey in an astronaut outfit. And he does like monkey type moves. <laughs> and he has a little tail and he eats a banana after the match. Like, I don't know. I think that's awesome. <laughs> if that was a real fighter, I don't think, uh, I don't think that would be <laughs> how he would, he would approach it. I don't he'd have time. He wouldn't have time to peel a banana. Yeah. Yeah, no, so it's, it's really fun. It was one of those things, too, where Brad was uh, just kind of joking, but he's like, you know, he's like, hey, you should be, a, like, a wrestling promoter. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, imagine, can you imagine if I moved in that direction in life and just start running local wrestling shows and stuff? So Brad's back from his trip, is he? Yeah, I guess he's finally done being sent to the States, although this week he got off well because he was gone, you know, while everything sucked. But, uh, yeah, I think they're done sending him to the U.S. for the time being. Well, probably it's costing quite a bit because the dollars, our dollars stinks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know this company that he works for. It's Mike works there too, and uh, they both get paid exorbitant amounts of money for. I mean, it's like specialized computer knowledge, and not saying they don't deserve it, but, but yeah, like even just to fly somebody 
all the time to the states it's yeah it's weird like you don't need to do that in this day and age with the internet and stuff but they just see for accommodations and transportation and that they're paying like a quarter more than than what they would have been paying before when the dollar was almost at par yeah yeah, it's one of those things that sounds kind of fun at first, but yeah, once he got, I mean, they've sent him like five or six times, and, you know, he's there for four or five days, he gets to come back to Toronto just for like the weekend, you know, it's like a day and a half, and he's got to leave again. Like, it would kind of make more sense just to stay, but he was kind of like, well, first off, he doesn't want to stay because he doesn't know anybody in Denver, and, uh, and kind of like, fuck them. <laughs> like, you know, you can send me back home if you're going to keep sending me to the States. Well, he's done all right for himself, though. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice. There's something quite stable going on there. I mean, that's another nice thing about, uh, you know, the two paths in the woods or whatever, but the idea of moving away, moving to wherever, moving to Newfoundland or whatever weird plan I was going to try is, uh, is, I mean, yeah, like Matt lives here and Brad lives here. <laughs> so, I mean, beyond the other people that I met in this city, like everybody's here now. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I thought I could, because I guess because... Uh, you know, because I did it that one time in like 2005, I moved to Vancouver all by myself. So I was like, ah, I can do that again. But I don't know. I think like, I think it was, uh, I was like too dumb to know how hard that was to do, <laughs> you know? And now I know how, how hard it is. So, uh, yeah, moving away from where all these people are. So it doesn't seem There's realistic. There's also this thing, been there, done that. Right. So to, to do a repeat performance of it would not be the same as that. Yeah, there probably was a, a certain naivety when you went and did that the first time if, of not knowing um, what you were going to be up against. Well, now you've got a pretty good idea that you know, you got to go out and socialize and you got to go out and kind of make some contacts. And yeah, and I think it if was... If you're gonna, just going to go hide away in a room somewhere, well, why, why go anywhere then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it was, like, worthwhile that time, like, shake the etch a sketch, just, like start again type thing because I was just hanging out in Fredericton working at a comic store like just kind of spinning my wheels so I guess I was kind of thinking that again but really like yeah but like why why not just uh, try to use the resources I have here and the people I know here and you know and, and it's gone well like so far like well this guy Jason and through him I met tons of people I made like a pile of new friends and I think it's like a combination of of uh just kind of feeling like I had to because it's like well I can sit here in my apartment and it's dark and cold and be miserable or I can like force myself to go out and also not to speak ill of the dead but I mean it's a little sad that uh, that chick I was trying to date and her you know boyfriend guy like we're not really friends with them anymore but him especially was he's such a sourpuss and like he just made everything awkward and he just like like I honestly think it's been easier to make friends without him <laughs> you know so I still feel kind of guilty about everything and how weird it was but but there's a clear upside like this guy I mean it couldn't be clearer than this this guy Jason his girlfriend didn't like that guy and like that's why they never hung out with us so that was kind of like my first thought was like all right well that guy's out of the picture now let's go hang out with Jason and his girlfriend and through them you know we started going to wrestling I met all these wrestling people and under that all this shit is happening so so that's good. Silver linings, you know? Upsides to things. Do you, do you run into that couple, that girl? I, I saw them, fella? like, once on a streetcar, and uh, he, he just pretended he didn't see me. <laughs> he did, though, because I, I was on the streetcar first. Get off my streetcar. No, that's it, though. It's pretty. I mean, some of the other, like, people I know here in Toronto still kind of see them here and again. 
but but again like they're just they're sourpuss weirdos i was trying to like <laughs> in my own stupid way i was like trying to like rescue her from that crap relationship with that weirdo but whatever she wants what she wants but yeah no he's a unbelievably difficult person like he just has you know i met him through keith and the girl and he's one of those types of people through and through he just like has none of his own friends he just has other people's friends that's something i really think i'm gonna start being a little more mindful of in the future is like like what what's going on when people don't have other friends you know <laughs> like how are all their friends just my friends that i introduced to them like that's clearly something difficult is going on there maybe someday and then you have to work are, are they when they're, they're friends of your friends that kind of stuff are they really friends yeah that's the other thing too is like there would always be awkwardness like that podcast we do the vinyl countdown like since i was the originator and you know i'm the guy who was on all the new york podcasts so i you know was uh, you know the the center guy i'm the guy who edits it i'm the guy who has the recorder the whole thing so people would always come to me about like if they have troubles you know interpersonal problems like i'm like the hr representative and like almost everyone at one point or another came to me about like why is why is this guy making everything weird what is wrong with him and I don't know what's wrong with him he's just like an aspy weirdo but yeah. but yeah I don't know it'd be nice if someday I become like a good enough socializer that I can heal all wounds and bring together all parties but man I don't know in this case it's like you know what just get out of here how about that how about we do that? they don't hang around with you guys at all anymore no no not at all so see that was the thing they, they really weren't friends with your friends yeah, I mean, a little. I'd say, like, my, my old roommate, Craig, I think he's legitimately, but he's just, like, the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> you know, he's just, like, a really good guy. So I think, like, they still see him sometimes. Yeah, and it's like, I was kind of, like, at first with her, I'm like, you know, surely we could still maybe be friends? I don't know, but, yeah, she wasn't willing to give it a try. And I really, when with him, I'm just like, and yeah, but I don't want him anymore. <laughs> like, I just get out of here with that guy. So, yeah, so, I mean, it was, like, that was one of those things. It was, like kind of down in the dumps about it for a while but I just really I mean it took ages it took like three months but I finally like then I just suddenly was like you know what I think I just don't care anymore which is weird because like when you're in the the thing right you're like oh god how do I still feel bad about this but then I think back to like the girl I dated in New York and the girl I dated in Vancouver and all you know and I'm just like like when I think about them I'm just like I just don't care <laughs> you know that's why it doesn't feel bad because I just don't care and like so you know that's gonna happen eventually it just takes time not caring that's the trick I'm sure there's like a better way to put it like a Zen Buddhist you know unattachment to the physical world yada yada but but the uh, simple way is just to not give a fuck <laughs> well and the thing has to go both ways for a relationship anyway right so if you, it seems, it seems that most of the angst was coming from you. I'm sure she was feeling some angst, but, uh, I don't know, not enough to shit her get off the pot. Yeah, clearly. Man, and like, this dude, Jason, oh man, talk about a great, like, guy to add to the posse, where, uh, like we were watching wrestling at his house and there was this guy, Alex, that came over and watched, and I found out that the way Jason met him is just that the guy worked at the liquor store <laughs> and they somehow got talking about wrestling and Jason was like, well, come on over. So now he watches the pay-per-views with us every month. Like, he's just like that awesome, gregarious East Coast, like the good kind of East Coaster, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's a, he's a much better person to have in the fold as opposed to this other guy that was always just like, you know, making it him or everyone else, you know? But it's literally because 
when I moved to Toronto, I only knew two people through Keith and the girl, and he was one of them. So then I met all these other people that are way, way better, but it's like, all right, I already know this guy. Let's bring him in. Let's try to hang on. Like, that's, I guess, that's what kills me. I tried to hang on with this guy. I tried so hard, you know? So hard. And it's like, stop being a dick. I guess he's lucky that he got a girlfriend out of it and she stuck with him. (laughs) But other than that, (laughs) I did all I can for this man, you know? So anyway. Well, you're quite a social butterfly yourself. I don't know, I think that's something that also I've, uh, it's like where it's kind of good sometimes to be down in the dumps for a while and to kind of take some time to really think things through, is I think even that, like, I kind of, like, realized more, you know, like, that, um, that, like, these people I know in Toronto are a valuable kind of thing that I set up, and, and yeah, like, it, they, like we even talked about it before I moved. It was kind of like, like, with the like, how is this gang gonna hold together? Like, is it? And everyone had this weird kind of resigned, like, probably not, I guess. <laughs> you know? So, so it's kind of nice to come back to Toronto and kind of look at it with these second, like, take a second look at all this and be like, yeah, you know, maybe this is a thing that I can do that's like a valuable thing or maybe this could even be like a job someday maybe I am supposed to be like a a human resources some kind of project project manager like a managing thing I don't know something well I don't know if you'd be able to make a professional career out of it yeah who knows though I mean I mean not anything like in a business like an office building or something but maybe something less official you know like that's and where, you know what? Maybe that's going to be the way of the world. Like the people, people who looked at their futures and how they, I don't know, got through life was mostly generated, mostly came out of their jobs, and and your job had to be at a a building, in an office, or in a warehouse, or wherever. Right. Maybe the future is uh, it's not going to be like that. Yeah, I mean, I think most certainly it won't just because it's so fucking miserable and everyone hates it. <laughs> so well, like, and there's so much uh, ways of communicating now that you, I mean, look at the people that work from home or generate work from, well, they're sitting on a bus. <laughs> you know, they got that that little piece of technology in their hands. You know, who, who I don't know, the future's going to be quite different as far as the standard way that we have where everybody's got to get out and get a job that is at a certain location. So maybe, yeah, who knows what your place in life will be. Yeah, and I think things can can and will kind of change a lot quicker than a lot of people uh, expect them to also. Like I was thinking uh, I was with uh, one of Jet's kids, Jet's kids, fucking one of Joel's kids at uh, like this drop-in center daycare thing. And they had like a no spanking, like the Ghostbusters or no smoking, like no spanking sign. And I was like, man, that's so cool that in literally one generation that went away. Everyone's just like, what are we hitting kids for? Like, we're done. And I like that as an example of like everything can be like that. It literally takes one generation. And if everyone's like, I don't want to go to an office and there's no reason for me to do this anymore. Like once a critical mass happens, then it's, it's over. That's it. It's just done. You can have, like, your Mad Men guys in their weird 50s suits still going to the office. <laughs> they can knock themselves out. But, like, yeah, I think things can, especially with the Internet, too, and cell phones and everything. Like, man, things can just change on a dime now. Yeah. Or maybe they won't. Maybe everyone will just keep doing the same shit, but I don't have to. So. I don't think <laughs> yeah. they will. I, I don't know. I, because there's a lot of people, like, okay, that are creating their own businesses. And, and they, don't, they don't go to the... the the office anymore. The office is in their head. Well, more think, so than yeah, like, a physical place. 
I definitely think a huge part of it was when there was more of that like top-down command structure like it was valuable to have everybody in the office and oversee them and you know be able to look over their shoulder and just make sure they do work when when that model made sense but that's just not the kind of work people do in North America anymore it's like you need to be self-motivated and you need to look after yourself and you need to manage your own stuff you can't just have a boss tell you what to do because everything is way too complicated for that no one has time to manage on that level so yeah I feel like just because of that going to an office just isn't the same anymore it's not as valuable and again, like communication, I'm sure, was just a big part of it, too. If you're, you know, Jack Lemon <laughs> trying to sell property, whatever the crap, you know, sure, you got to be in your office. But now you could do that from anywhere. You could just be in a lawn chair and you could do that. Mm-hmm. What was that movie called? I can't believe I forgot. It's like a play. And Alec Baldwin was in it. Always be closing. Glengarry Glen Ross. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, that movie, yeah. Yeah. I just always think of that because Jack Lemmon's character in that was like, just like, oh, the new leads, I need the new leads. And that's where that guy from The Simpsons came from, Gil, who's just like, oh, God, I can't just sell one more. <laughs> Got a payment on my hot plate. <laughs> like, I really just know everything because of The Simpsons. I could ramble on and on, but I don't know. Because <laughs> that just made me think, did I tell you that when I saw Citizen Kane finally, I was like, wow, I've seen a third of this movie already in Simpsons parodies, and I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what your generation would have done without Simpsons. It really gave you an education of all kinds of things. Yeah, it was like a little like uh, magnifying glass that just like kaleidoscoped back an extra 60 years. Because <laughs> even, uh, I think as like Simpsons started in like very late 80s, and I'm pretty sure like Marge and Homer were really kind of based on Matt Groening's parents. So it has this, like, sensibility of, like, 50s stuff that's just all through it, even though it's this 90s show. Yeah, I feel like I learned a lot of weird stuff from, from The Simpsons that way. Well, they certainly put a lot of, uh, you know, it just wasn't a basic cartoon. They put a lot of, a lot of stuff in there. What? A lot of history, a lot of social commentary. They introduced your generation to all kinds of um, historical people. And even just little stuff, like there's an episode where Homer is just, uh, it's uh, Bart and Milhouse go see Spinal Tap, so he's just in the parking lot just waiting, and he's just in his car listening to that Spanish flea song, and the little Spanish flea, dun, 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 dun. and the writer said, like, I, I just put that in because that's my dad's favorite song. <laughs> so, so it's not all clever, sometimes it's just like, I don't know, my dad liked it. And they did an excellent job of, I mean, of a lot of those characters, and they were very stereotypical, but you watch those characters, and everybody knows somebody who is like that. Yeah, I mean, I heard so much about the comic store guy, you know, like the comic shop guy, and everyone would be like, oh, that's just like Derek from Strange Adventures, he's like the comic shop guy. But it's because every, you know, every 50 miles across all of North America, there's a comic shop guy like that, <laughs> you know? Just and how many fathers were like Homer Simpson? Yeah. I mean, your father's like Homer Simpson. Kind of. <laughs> the only that would say that, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of true. That's I can see. I can see connections. That's one thing, though. I thought it was neat or weird about that show is like it was just like you know a lot of parents were in an uproar about it because you know it's bad for kids or whatever. But 
but uh, which seems funny now, like can, how things have gotten so much worse. Like The Simpsons was like Dennis the Menace levels at at most. Of, like Bart Simpson, it was so not a big deal. But on the other hand, The Simpsons is the still to this day is the only show, mainstream show, where the family goes to church regularly and the pastor is a character that they talk to and hang out with. <laughs> you know, like it, it has all this whole other side that they just no one really paid attention to. Homer doesn't always go to church. No, that's true. Well, I think he, they, he, they he had like a famous episode where he starts his own religion and he just talks to God at home. But then uh, the house catches on fire and I don't know. He ends up going back to church at the end. <laughs> so I won't, I won't relay all the details of the Simpsons episode. They're almost like a family from... I, I know it was made in the 90s, but they're almost like a family from the 60s or the 70s. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It has that, like, throwback thing. But I guess that's, like, always kind of how it is. Like, uh, I remember I was, like, all surprised when I found out that 90s music, you know, like Pearl Jam and all that stuff, when that was big, is so similar to 70s music. Like, there's Led Zeppelin songs that sound exactly like Pearl Jam songs. And I, I was at the time, I was like, that's weird. But, of course, it makes sense because all the people in those bands grew up in the 70s. <laughs> so, like, everything's 20 years behind. And, like, whatever you feed to the kids, it's always from a generation 10 years older. So, so they got to go 20 years back for the stuff they thought was cool as a kid. And, like, yeah, it's, it's not that complicated, really, I guess, when you look at it that way. Like, I still can't wrap my head around the idea of I've got all these half-finished short stories and novellas and crap. But they're all, whether I stated it or not, they all take place in the early 90s because everyone has a normal phone, you know, and there's no internet, no cell phones. Because to me, you're not supposed to have those in a story. But I bet that'd be weird to people now. Like people that are like 12 or 13 right now would read this story and be like, what is happening? What's with all these weird old phones? Like, what? why is this? Why is it like this? A lot of why you tie into all that too, though, is a lot of people they're developing years are those years from maybe 10 to 18. So a lot of what you you become in the future is still tied into those those developing years. You do your greatest changing probably from those years. I mean, first you're just a kid growing up, but you're but you're a kid. But when you get to be about 10, 11 years old, you start maturing into becoming a man. So a lot of the ideas, the things that you, that, uh, like you're, not that you're not getting ideas when you're a young kid, but you're starting to look out beyond yourself in those developing years. Starting to listen to the news, starting maybe to read papers. You're not, you're not just, you're just not a, a kid anymore. You're, you're in that, that period of flux. Right. And yeah. I think that uh, most of what you develop as your character probably comes in those years right then. Yeah, I think you're right. So many changes. And then it seems like as you get older, then the main uh, goal is just not to calcify too much and <laughs> to like take that, that basic bedrock and then try to stay as limber as possible, even though it gets harder and harder. Yeah, and I, and I think that the person you are in those years, that you that's probably the, that's the person that you stay. I don't, I don't find people when they're in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, you change and you grow, but you don't really change from that same basic person that you were in those years. Right. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. Like, yeah, I guess it's that I feel like things can change, but maybe it's not so much a change. It's more like 
like unearthing what was actually there the whole time. <laughs> like to take it back to like this thing about like these people I know in Toronto and being like the little center spoke that holds things together. Like that seems like this new idea to me of like, oh yeah, like I shouldn't just try to lone wolf it all the time. I should lean more on people and pay more attention to this community that I have. But then when I think back to like elementary school, like there was that one, since I was in French immersion, so there's that one class for grade one through six that were the same kids the whole time. And I was friends with everyone in that class, but not everyone in that class was friends with everyone else. You know, like I was just always good at that. I was always good at being the center guy or just like that kids would always come to our house to hang out. And between me or Mark, like one of us was always like the center piece between these people that wouldn't be friends with each other otherwise. But then like junior high was all shitty and high school was a ridiculous, enormous nightmare. And like, I just kind of forgot about all that stuff because I was just in too big of a pond. And uh, so I feel like even this thing that feels like a change in perspective right now is really kind of just going back to how I was in elementary school. Yeah, <laughs> like to, your basic, to, to what was your basic personality. Right. Yeah, it was nice when I figured that one out. I was like, cool. <laughs> like, I did always have this, like, little superpower. Maybe that's putting it a little strong, <laughs> you know what I mean? A little ability. Because, yeah, that's another thing, too, that, I mean, uh, I just noticed this when I was watching wrestling yesterday, is you get these people, these wrestlers, that cannot talk to save their lives. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you get these guys like The Rock that are super great and say all this funny, clever stuff. And then you get people that are good wrestlers, but if they ever try to get on a microphone, they just suck. And it's like, and it seems weird. It's like, just, just don't, don't do that. Just talk better. <laughs> you know? And it's weird to think that there's people that can't do that because I can just do that. You know, I can just get along with people and just do this stuff. It's not, it's not hard. And yeah, it's nice too. Like anytime I think whatever other deficits I might have, I'm like, man, I'm glad I can at least, I'm glad I can kibitz because holy balls that would be the worst just not even being able to to talk <laughs> you know like i don't know or or to keep talking 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 and not say anything yeah and not realize man that I, people are some completely turned off i heard that the other day that was such a great thing well there's the two sides there's like the people that have like uh where they can't recognize other people's emotions and that's always a pain but also uh it was this, this psychologist I was watching and he was talking about uh, about like communicating with people and like finding people to talk to and how it makes it easier to get over whatever your problems are, yada yada. But he did make this little caveat where he's like, you know, try to find other like healthy people to talk to because you can find a lot of unhealthy people that will talk and talk and talk to you and won't say a goddamn thing and will be no value at all. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like you don't hear people say that often, but that's true. It happens sometimes. And there's so many people, too, that you run into. It's always all about them. Right. Um, they'll talk on and on and ad nauseum. And when you're finally finished, you say, first, what did they say? <laughs> Which was absolutely nothing. And then, did they say anything about anybody else? Not really. They just talked about themselves. I, I know so many people that are just so into that world. It's like, God. <laughs> and they don't get it. It is too, like, I guess it's like a little balance, because I was thinking even somebody listening to this could be like, I don't know, it seems like Keith's talking an awful lot, <laughs> just blah, blah, blah about his dumb life. But, like, the upside to that is, like, that's why I'm good at hosting these podcasts with people. Like, if there's a, a pause, I always can say something. <laughs> you know, I can always think of something. But then there's that other side that you don't just want to, yeah, monopolize the whole thing and just never shut up. But when you talk, 
you don't always just talk about you. Right. Well, I mean, maybe. You interject with all this, you know, kind of other stuff. What I'm talking about is some people who, uh, um, I don't know, like, they appear like they want to know a little bit about you, but really they don't. Right. They just said said something because they really want to talk about themselves. And that was real bad at uh, the coffee shop a bit, but especially at the comic shop when I worked there. Because you're like a captive audience, you know? It's like a hostage situation. You get these jerks that still read Thor comics. They will just, like, I have to stand there and listen to them. Oh, man, I never figured out a good way to deal with that. <laughs> it was so, because I got to be polite. But it's like, stop it. Can't you tell I'm not listening? I'm, like, dusting. I'm doing anything so you will. <laughs> you know, and you just, ugh, I don't miss that. I remember uh, Cal, who owns the comic shop, uh, his saying was, uh, don't feed the freaks. <laughs> it was like, just, you know, be polite, but don't don't reciprocate, and then eventually they'll wander away. But if you start, yeah, like, engaging them, then you'll just talk forever. Yeah, and then when the conversation finishes, that's what you come away with. Like, what the heck did I learn from that person? Yeah. Nothing except about their mundane life. And then on the other side of it, where it, like, legitimately is, like, a weird disorder, is uh, at the movie theater, there was this one manager who... Like, I definitely noticed something was a little weird. He gave me a ride home one night where it just, like, his his reactions just didn't match my tone or my face or anything. And I found out from the other managers that, uh, like, he legitimately has a thing. Like, he can't read facial expressions. And he, like, he just, like, can't tell if someone is disinterested or bored or whatever. But... So, like, to him, it would be better if someone just said, hey, listen, I don't care. <laughs> but no one does that because that's rude to us. But to him, like, that would have been better. <laughs> but, man, what a weird thing, right? Like, that would be a weird life. I guess he's, you know, managing a movie theater, so he's not like he's on the street or anything. But <laughs> well, and you get those people who emote with other people. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I don't know how they survive. Like, every little thing that... Oh, I feel so bad for that person, and oh, I feel like, but... Oh, me, yeah, like they have the inappropriate empathy, you mean? Yeah. If you can't do anything about it, then, you know what, just move on. Yeah. Stop sounding phony, because, oh, I care, and oh, I'm alone, So either go out and do something about it, and get on with your life, or stop that emotion. Oh, my God. <laughs> they, it's like they take on the other person's pain. Right. God, that drives me crazy. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, well, it's all they do is talk about it. Right. Yeah, I guess that's that's the real thing. They yeah. Don't do anything. Yeah, if you go to. They make no efforts to try to make it better or different. They just talk about it. No, I feel so bad. No, 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 no. Shut up. I wonder too. Like, I wonder if it would even help if, like, they did. You know, if they went to like work at a soup kitchen or or an old folks' home or something. Like, maybe then that would. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I got no specific theory about that. They're usually so. so into themselves that they really can never go and, and do that. Right. But yeah, it's because weird. really, mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, they're feeling so bad for that other person. But really, it, it's just because they want to talk about themselves. Right. Instead of saying, yeah, you know, I feel bad for that person. Now, what can I do to make it a little better? See, that's the kind of person I am. Right. Oh, I'll go out there and I will go work at a soup kitchen. Or I will, and I do something positive and that's it i don't go on and on oh i feel so bad oh, 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 oh. <laughs> just 
go do something and shut up. But you, really, it's because that person who is so full of emotion, is, they just really are so into themselves. And that's why they can't go and do good for the other person, because they just want to talk about themselves and how bad they feel. Yeah, it's one of those things I'm still, there's a lot of a lot of up in the airs about all this stuff. I don't know, it's weird, it's complicated, but it's actually a pretty long episode. We've been going on for a while. <laughs> we have, and you know what? We'll probably get to the end of it and say, what the hell did we say anyway? Not much. <laughs> yeah, but uh, man, somebody told me, and again, it's like these things that are definitely um, compliments, but they're always a little weird, is like somebody told me this so far is their favorite podcast of mine. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's nice hearing you talk to your mom. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, but like, I've been doing podcasts for like seven years and I put all this work into them and all this like, stuff. <laughs> you know, this isn't work. I had to walk across the street. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess that's fine. It's not like it has to be work. But, but you know, like that other podcast, the XO one, that got the write-up. I mean, like, those take forever. It's like ridiculous. It's like making a little audio movie. But hey, if you like this, fine. I'm glad you like it. Someone who doesn't have a real good running conversation with their mother. Yeah. So I'm the refill mother. Oh, and they mentioned like just the little, like the little broadcasty stuff of like how uh, when you brought up Caroline last time because of how warm it was in BC, like that you you tossed in that it was your sister. You know, you didn't just leave that on the table and someone not knowing who you're talking about. But I assume that's also because, you know, you used to be a teacher and all that stuff. You, you know how to orate, you know how to, to tell a, a crowd a thing, even if you're only telling them through me. Yeah, that's probably, that's, and that's the funny thing about that. When, when I do public speaking quite often now on the law, but, um, and, and I use all those skills of, uh, like, a, instead of just spitting out a bunch of legal jargon, I'll actually describe, like, what it is and put it into layman's terms. But the funny thing about that is when I was uh, in junior high school, I was so, I, I couldn't public speak at all. Right. I was so self-conscious about that. And uh, the first time I ever had to give one, I rattled through, it was supposed to be something like, let's say, a two-minute speech. I rattled through it so friggin' fast, it was about 30 seconds. Right. Got all the words in there, but it was just... <laughs> Yeah, that happened to me, I mean, because I, 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 I must have mentioned, but like that I did an introduction two, three months ago for this guy, this game developer who was in Toronto, and they asked me to do a little introduction for him, and that same thing happened just because I haven't done public speaking in a while, so uh, I definitely talked way faster than I meant to. It turned out fine, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to, like, you really gotta, you gotta be, uh, warmed up or like used to because I practiced it a bunch but it's just not the same once you're standing it's like so bizarre to be standing in front of a bunch of people like I always think of uh, like if we were in some kind of tribe like that just wouldn't happen unless you were literally the leader of the tribe you're not going to be standing in front of everyone <laughs> like like there must be something in us that's like that fear response of like these people could all beat me to death with rocks right now <laughs> like why am I doing this because it doesn't well, make I sense don't, I to... don't really have that, that nervousness right now and uh, well, teaching school did 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 that. It was really good for me in that. I mean, geez, I had to get a bunch of high school yahoos and start spilling out a bunch of crap that they don't want to hear about. Well, you got to learn a few skills pretty darn fast. That's one thing though I think is weird is uh, yeah, like uh, if you you do it a bunch and you get better at it and it's more comfortable. But then I heard stories about, I can't remember who it was, one of those really famous singers, like not Frank Sinatra, but one of his contemporaries, Burt Bacharach or somebody, but who uh, apparently got like 
terrible, like feeling like he was gonna throw up butterflies in his stomach every time before he performed for his whole life. And I'm like, why did you do it? <laughs> like, come on, you gotta realize when you're in your 60s that you're still, still happening. Just don't, like I guess it was worth it for him ultimately, but man, that seems weird that, like, that to just never get over it. Yeah, like, yeah. And you think that, I can see when you're younger that you might get kind of, you feel obligated. I mean, that's part of what you do. But if you feel that bad every time, and you're, and you're still going to do it. As, as a young person, you're going to do it. But yeah, when you get to be about 60, you think you'd say, you know what? I've had enough of this crap. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't like doing it. It doesn't make me feel bad, so I don't have to do it now. But I don't know. You just keep on going. <laughs> no, I can't imagine that. I remember when I was in uh, elementary school, I used to volunteer to do my speeches first, just to get it out of the way, and also just like, like, you know, it's like you're the pace car, like now everyone has to beat me, like, and, you know, like, it just impresses the crap out of a teacher so much that the one kid that'll actually volunteer to do it first, I'm sure it didn't make, that probably lost me some friends on that day, <laughs> you know, like, that little asshole <laughs> going first making us all look bad, but yeah, it's totally what I would but always I do. But I gotta say, I heard you give some public, when you were in your elementary school, right. speaking in front of a class and that. And you were damn good. Yeah, well, I mean, the same thing with, like, this, not to, you know, like, oh, I'm so great, but, yeah, like, this speech that I did just a little while ago, or any of that shit in New York, like, I did a bunch of stuff on stage and stuff, and it's just, like, like, again, I'm just glad I'm one of the people that can, because, like, this, oh, man, like, wrestling we were watching the other day, all this guy had to do is this guy Jeff Hardy, and he got a big match against The Undertaker. I don't know if you remember The Undertaker. <laughs> you know? I vaguely remember The Undertaker. <laughs> all he had to do was just express how excited he was and be like amped up, like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do my best against The Undertaker. And he just came off so phony. And it's like, dude, you literally are about to go have a match with The Undertaker on TV in front of everyone. You shouldn't even have to fake this. How are you making this seem fake when it's quite a legitimate situation? <laughs> like that's how bad he was. Brutal. So yeah, I don't know, glad I don't have that. I think half the secret though of public speaking, or speaking to a crowd, you speak to them just like, you don't speak to them in a formal sense. Right. If you speak to them as if you were speaking to them, like you and I teach speaking here right now, one-on-one, -on -one, um, it's when you start getting into that real formal, boring, you don't put little asides in, you don't put a little bit of humanity in your thing, boring. <laughs> right. I think that's too, like, or I'm, I feel like I'm right in the middle where I can do it if I have to, but... But I really was pretty worked up about it, this one I did like two months ago. So like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out of my way to do it again. Like if someone asks me, I'm glad I can. But then on the other end, like a lot of those comedians I met in New York, like they, their whole like self-image is tied into that. Like I can stand in front of people and tell a joke. Look at this, look what I can do. And like, ugh. <laughs> glad I don't have that either. Just like a nice happy middle. It also makes a difference though, if you're very comfortable and you know your subject. Because if you, cause if you can do that, you can ad-lib. You right. can wing it. Well, that's something that's funny too about public speaking. There's this guy, Patrice O'Neill, who uh, he was talking about it. He was a comedian too. And uh, and he was saying how like if you, like you really do just kind of have to, to force the, the comfortableness and force the confidence. Because if you start to like do bad, like if they smell blood in the water, a crowd won't help you. Like, they'll make it worse. <laughs> like, that's when people will, like, heckle or, or give you problems. <laughs> like, as soon as you start to go down, as long as you look 
confident, everyone's on your side. But if you start to go down, they want you to go down. <laughs> like, it's just so weird. Maybe that's more with comedy than just a normal speech, but... But I don't know, it's kind of true. Like. No, I think it's the, I think it's with normal speeches, too, because you get somebody who's boring. I mean, I'm sorry, you can't help it yourself if you're in the audience, but start laying on the desk and doodling, and and the guy that's, unless he's looking only at the guy right in front of him, he's got to sense. You know what? They don't, though. They don't sense that they're boring and they're driving their car. I've been to more legal stuff lately because we have to go take these uh, 12 hours of called like improving your educational skills or whatever and all lawyers now in the province have to take 12 hours and stuff i have been to some stuff up at that law school where drone on and on and on and i'm sure that who the that speaker up there has no they couldn't possibly know how deadly dull boring they are <laughs> god if they did but you know everybody's kind of like eh, got their head in their hands <laughs> drawing yawning and Neil goes there with a novel and sits there. He used to hide it under the desk. Now he doesn't. He's got it right up there. <laughs> Reading right away. <laughs> well, unless the person is completely blind that's giving the talk up there, God, they got to have some sense. I think that's... Then when it gets to the end, there's always some do-gooder with the big mouth on them that's got to start um, asking questions. And half of those questions, you can't even understand what the question is, let alone the answer. Yeah, that's a whole other thing that I don't know how to unravel of, like, yeah, the psychology of the people with the questions. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, listen to me, I listen to what you said, and I'm important, and here's my question. And everybody else is like, oh, shut up. (laughs) Don't ask any more questions. And the answer never matches the question anyway, even if it is a good question. There's never a straight answer to these things. God. Hey, that's uh, one thing I, I should definitely, the guy with the big broom is coming along, so I should wrap this up. But uh, before I go, uh, did you get far enough into Breaking Bad to see their lawyer show up, Saul Goodman? I did. I saw, I saw the whole, I've seen the whole thing of Breaking Bad, start to finish. Oh, because I just wanted to see if you've seen uh, his show just started Better his Call Saul. It's yeah. on tonight. i got to catch it. Yeah, I, I guess it's like three episodes. And yeah, I, I like that guy. I like him because he used to be, there was this show called Mr. Show in the late 90s, like a, a sketch show. And he was on it. His name is Bob Odenkirk. And then he just became like a producer and a director. And like he, he wasn't in a lot of stuff. So for him to come back now in Breaking Bad 20 years later, and now he's like, all famous and he's in this big show it's like it's a pretty cool show anyway but I was just happy for that guy because I always liked him and it's weird too I'm glad you reminded me because I'd forgotten that it was on tonight right and And uh, I missed last week's show but I think you can catch it on the thing I watch uh, like uh, before the new show comes on you can see the one that you missed right so I should be able to catch right up on it yeah pretty much the only thing about it I mean I just it's just one of those things with TV so I just had to swallow it but that in the first episode Saul meets that guy Tuco who was yeah. also in Breaking Bad and I'm like get out of here no he didn't like I hate when people do that stuff it just makes the whole world feel so fake well, like, what are the chances Better Call Saul is supposed to be about 10 years before yeah although isn't Bad. that funny it's, it's supposed to be like early 2000s but it's clearly a 70s aesthetic <laughs> that they're like infusing it with but they can't make it but see, the that, other no. guy that he meets in there is that Mike guy yeah see I was okay with that because that's like the story of how him and Mike got into business together didn't like he also represent Tuco in, in Breaking Bad like, no like Tuco was only he was just there real early on in season one and uh, and he gets killed pretty pretty quick in he was the oh, guy yeah yeah he's, he's the town in the basement 
there was the I don't know if that was him specifically, but but anyway, it's like yeah, he was just an early villain in Breaking Bad, and I don't know, it's fine, I guess, it's like whatever, but it, I don't know, it's just weird for a TV show that's supposed to be relatively realistic, like coincidences like that. Even if they could happen in real life, I just feel like they shouldn't be in fiction because they just they'd really take me out of it. <laughs> I'm like, that's what. <laughs> but anyway, that's why my only. Other than that, I like it. And they shuffled him aside anyway. It's like he's not a part of the show anymore. So it's like his nephew Nacho. No, yeah. Well, um, I, I I thought it was quite good so far. Those skateboarders. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great line too. Where. Uh, you know, Tuco was gonna kill them and just breaks their legs. And the one is like, you're the worst lawyer ever. And Saul's like, no, I talked you down from, you know, a death sentence to a broken leg. I'm the best lawyer ever. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Cause yeah, like I've heard like the, the guy Vince Gilligan, the writer, that's kind of how he talks about Saul is he's like, Saul's like, if, if uh, Walter White's superpower was you know, his chemistry and his thirst for power, then Saul's superpower is that he can talk his way out of anything. <laughs> like, that's his thing. But I thought that was interesting too, because, or they said like, so there's a, the scene in the courtroom where Saul's the public defender of those kids that were in the morgue, that real creepy <laughs> scene, where it was on video. Did you see that part? I don't. That must be, that's probably in tonight's show, that, uh, Maybe the it one is. that was on last week. Yeah, so he's that just, I'm gonna watch tonight. So he's doing public defender stuff, but basically the, uh, they, they went to sit in Los Angeles County Court for, you know, a few days to see what it's like. And they were like, man, like, court is not like a law show. It is so boring and so dull and no one is entertaining. <laughs> so, so they kind of made a point of that. It's like, yeah, Saul's funny to watch and cool, but lawyers ain't like that. They are the worst. So, <laughs> so I guess that kind of ties into what you were saying, too, of just, like, so boring. But yeah, so I should let you go. Now they're stacking up chairs, this whole thing. I really am glad I found this building though. Man, just <laughs> this coldness. Maybe well, once- You'll have to find a, a, a topic next week. Yeah, I've got various things, you know, that I've been floating around in my brain, but I figure there's no hurry. I mean, I don't know how long is this? Let me see. We've been talking for like 50 minutes about nothing. So I think, you know, <laughs> no, no need to really uh, overly steer things. But yeah, no, there's always stuff I could bring up that don't, don't worry about that. I got, I got ideas. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. So I guess I'll leave you to better call Saul. <laughs> we'll bundle up, get nice and warm, get yourself home. I will. But, oh, so cold. So miserable. Literally, I think I said this last time, but it's so cold in my apartment that, uh, like I have to really plan to take a shower. <laughs> like it's like in, uh, you know, in like castles and stuff where that's why like aristocracy, they wouldn't clean themselves because it was too dangerous. Like you catch a draft and you just die. <laughs> like that's what I feel like. That's how cold my everything is. So if I get bugs in my hair and stuff, that's why. In my bouff my bouffant. Okay, so we'll... <laughs> yeah, I'm clearly just, yeah, I'm rambling at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're rambling now. You don't want to go up to the cold. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Okay, bye. Have a great week. I'll do my best. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.